Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, along with rock expert, Frank Ost. Frankie, how are you? I'm great. It's good to be here again. It's somebody's birthday today. It is. Yeah, that's my birthday. That's great. So we'll, we'll uh, dispense with that when we hit our birthdays. But <laughs> <laughs> today in rock history, June 5th, 1971, JT, James Taylor, uh, released the album You've Got a Friend. Oh. So... James Taylor and Carole King working on their albums at the same time she gave that song to him. So he right, sing. As, as she did with so many. Yes. I guess he wrote the liner notes for her album, Tapestry. Oh, Isn't that cool? I never knew that. 1972, just a year later, Maureen McGovern quit her job as a full-time secretary, <laughs> become a full-time singer, and wouldn't you know, a year later, she hit it big with There's Got to Be a Morning After, the theme from the Poseidon Adventure, which I saw probably seven or eight times. And, uh, you know, that that's a, another... Another great one hit wonder there, Maureen <laughs> McGovern. Whatever happened to Maureen? I don't know. Who knows? But she did have that wonderful, wonderful moment. Well, we've said many times you're going to have one hit. Make sure it's number one. Absolutely. Yeah, make sure it's number one. Everybody knows who we are. She's just a year <laughs> later, though. Not a lot of struggle there. She must have thought, wow, this is easy. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. Wow, this is kind of An hard. overnight <laughs> sensation, literally. <laughs> is Poseidon Adventure 2 going to be around anytime <laughs> soon? Uh, Two years later, Sly Stone. Married Kathy Silva on stage during a show at New York City. In New York City, I don't know if it's Madison Square Garden or not, but it's funny because think, yeah. he was notorious for not showing up or showing up late. I was late. just going to say that. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if he actually showed up to this wedding. <laughs> Birthday is 1934. Journalist Bill Moyers. Remember him? Yes, I do. And then course. Kenny G is 67 today. So is Richard Butler of the Psychedelic Furs. So Kenny G and I are like, the same age yeah i never knew that shares his birthday kenny gorlick kenny gorlick and mark Wahlberg, the actor 1971 okay the songwriting woman behind such hits as under the boardwalk and you've lost that love and feeling and sold an inspiration we got to get out of this place by the animals has died her name was cynthia Wilde. she passed away last friday and along with her songwriting partner and husband of 62 years, Barry Mann, they penned all those hits and a lot, lot more. She and Barry were featured in the musical, which Frankie and I talked about a lot, Carol King's Beautiful, as they had the little friendly rivalry going between Carol and her then-husband, Jerry Goffin. You know, the Brill Building where Neil Diamond worked and, and uh, all those great songwriters of the early to mid-60s. Cynthia and Barry were the first to receive the Ahmed Erdogan Award from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010. Cynthia Weil was 82 years old. Oh, my soul and my heart's inspiration You're 
soon-to-be hits debuting this week, June 5th, 1976. It was on this date, actually, that uh, Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel debuted in the Hot 100 at number 86. That's the Tavares song. It went all the way to number 15, one of their biggest hits. Yeah, I remember that one. Fool for the City, that's Fog Hat, one of your favorites. Great tune. Uh, that's uh, debuting at number 85 this week and went all the way to 45, did not crack the top 40. Right, right. You'd think maybe they would have maybe re-released it sometime and had better success, but no. Remember the song Nutbush City Limits, the Bob Seger song? Absolutely. This probably would have come off the live set as a, yeah, a was, kind of a single off the live set. It was. Thing, it was like, live at Cobo Hall. Like Peter Frampton did and had so much success over. And, uh... I don't think Nutbush City ever got to top 40. No, only made it to number 69. It debuted at 84, but maybe if they had released it a couple years later after maybe around Hollywood Nights or something, it might have been better. Yeah, by that time, he didn't need any help. People really didn't know who Bob Seger was. I didn't know who Bob Seger was until uh, Night Moves. Right, right. Living Ain't Living, Firefall, one of my favorites, the Denver-based group. Went only to number 42. It was their first release. Then it was followed up with the big hit, You're the Only Woman, and then Just Remember I Love You, and sure. on and on. Good tunes for them. It debuted at number 83. Four Notches Above, You'll Never Find Another Love Like Mine. That's Lou Rawls. It went number, way number two. Yeah, that was a huge, huge song. Yeah. Great voice. He was a, a voice of Budweiser very, for a while. Very smooth. That? and uh, Yeah. So I thought it was a number one hit, but no, it only went to number two. Number two. That was his highest charting tune, along with a Christmas song uh, called Little Drummer Boy of his, 1967. <laughs> don't remember that one. No, don't either. But I do remember Bob Seger's version, which I guess you can get on the uh, very special Christmas. Oh, okay, one of those, yes. Yeah, I think it was the first one. Rock and roll music. Remember when the Beach Boys released the album Endless Summer in 1976? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That went all the way to number five. 
Yeah, a buddy of mine uh, at the fraternity house bought it that summer and played it all fall. It was an endless summer. <laughs> it was an endless <laughs> it was summer. an endless fall. Oh, boy. I bought it, too. Wasn't it like a two-record set? It was. And it had, you know, most of the kind of the fun stuff from the 60s. Yeah. And, yeah. That was a good album good, good for me set. to have. And that rock and roll music was a, a nice little follow-up there. Mm-hmm. Somebody's getting it. That Talk about follow-up. Johnny Taylor, the number one hit disco lady Ooh, earlier yeah, in the year. Yeah, that was a... Uh, that was a huge one. It was. You think that uh, somebody's getting it would do higher, uh, be- do better than that, and it didn't. Number uh, nobody got 33. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Frankie, it's time for Guilty Pleasures, or as we like to call it, Guilty Pleasures. <laughs> All right, uh, what's yours? Absolutely. Uh, mine is the medley of Aquarius and Let the Sun Shine In by The Fifth Dimension. The musical hair hit Broadway in 1968, and within a year, no less than six cover versions of its singles had gone top ten on the pop charts around the world. Of them all, this little medley by The Fifth Dimension was probably the most popular, number one for six weeks, and became one of the biggest selling records of all time. Be that as it may, I love this song, which I found on one of my sister's albums, and I played it until it literally wore out and... I had to replace it. (laughs) And so, play this one as many times as you like, because unlike me, I don't think you can wear out a download. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's a good tune. That was number one for, like, the whole year, but all summer long. It was huge. And, you know, when I looked it up, they actually said that, by all rights, it should have been the number one song of the year. It ended up number two to Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Archies. But in every in sales and in length of time on yeah, the charts and yeah. everything, it, it beat the Archies. So nobody's been ever, ever able to figure that one out. It seemed like it was out in the summers. It was. It, it was, was, it was yes. starting to fall down the charts. But it was number one all the way up until May 17th. And you know what uh, took its place was the Beatles and Get Back. Wow. And that was number one for talk, like the rest of the summer. About, <laughs> talk about some good tunes. Oh. So Get Back, just two weeks earlier, it must have set a record, Frankie, because it debuted in the Hot 100 at number 10. Yeah, and and for, for folks that 
look at the charts now and they see every song debuting in the top 10. That did not happen. No. No. No, no, no. It was unheard of. So it went from 10 to 3 all the way to 1 and stayed there for a long, long time. Exactly. Probably replaced by in the year 2525. <laughs> a great, great tune, wasn't it? Uh, exactly. I love Marilyn McCoo's voice. What a beautiful voice she has. The, the whole band, um, and, you know, I, like I said, you, your parents loved it, but for good reason. I mean, they were a, a really good band. They really had a lot of things going for them. Um, kind of, I, I think what kind of killed them in the end is, uh, you know, like so many bands of the time, they didn't write their own stuff, and yeah. I think that kind of they kind of ran into a problem with that. You know, getting good material. I think Mar- Marilyn really wanted to branch out on her own too. She had had what ten years with the band, the right. group. Right. And then she and her husband in the band, you know, yes. Billy Davis Jr., wanted to venture out on their own, do some other stuff. And they hit it big with, you don't have to be a star. Yeah, that, a year that later would be a big left, hit, yeah. You know, they left the band, uh, the group, in like in 1974, maybe even later. Had that big hit a couple years later as a solo couple, which was unheard of at the time. Like right. Captain and Neil and whatever, but there weren't a lot of married couples no, having no, definitely you know, number not. one hits. Mine would be the follow-up to Alone Again Naturally. It's Claire by... Oh. I remember Claire. Gilbert yeah. O. Sullivan.
That's a cool tune. Now, those guys were involved in the Philadelphia Sound for years and years as backup bands and singers and whatever. Number one in the spring of 74, a true disco hit even before disco was big. Yeah, and maybe it was because it was literally one of the first disco hits, but probably my favorite disco song of them all. Uh, I still have it on my, you know, downloaded on my devices because every once in a while I love to drive along the road and... You do down the windows and listen to that song. It's a great driving That's song. That's a good tune. Uh-huh. A couple of weeks later, in the early summer, George McRae, another kind of disco song with Rock Your Baby. That's right. I, I so there's some that. good pre disco, even Love's Theme. Remember Love's sure, Theme? Sure. All those songs went to number one, so you could tell something was kind of brewing. And then when Johnny Taylor hit it with Disco Lady, it was on. It was on, <laughs> yes. <laughs> one hit wonder, The Sound of Philadelphia. That's T S O P. MFSB and it stands for Mother, Father, Sister, Brother. Exactly. Ha! Frankie, it's time for cover versus cover. You keep me hanging on, the Supremes versus Vanilla Fudge. There couldn't be two more different sounding sounds. Boy, you ain't kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, it's hard to believe, but the Supremes released their first single on Tamla Motown Records in 1961. That's just blew my mind away. By 1966, they were veterans of the music in the industry, and You Keep Me Hanging On was their eighth number one single. The song is a classic Motown single rooted in early funk and rhythm and uh, blues. The signature guitar solo is said to be played with a Morse code sound effect like the one heard before a breaking news story. Written and produced by the team of Holland, Dozier, and Holland, the original version ranked in Rolling Stone magazine's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, and it's been successfully covered by Kim Wilde, Reba McIntyre, Tom Jones, Rod Stewart, and many others. But for our purposes, the one that matters today is Vanilla Fudge's psychedelic rock extravaganza. The 1967 debut album, Vanilla Fudge, consisted almost entirely of half-speed covers. And this is the one that uh, became their one and only hit. The single edit is checked in at 2 minutes and 59 seconds, but it was a 7 minute 26 second album version that is considered one of heavy metal's first moments and influenced a generation of bands such as Deep Purple. And without a doubt, it's one of the greatest introductions in the music history, even quoting the guitar solo from the original. The band's idea was to slow down the song and listen to what the lyrics were really saying. As drummer Carmen Apice put it, if you listen to Hanging On Fast by the Supremes, it sounds like a very happy tune. But the lyrics aren't happy at all. If you live through this situation, the lyrics are definitely not happy. So two versions of completely different feel to them, and I'll give credit to Vanilla Fudge for the influential production of their song, but for pure listening value, give me the Supremes every time. <laughs> I tell you, I like them both. Um, by the time Supremes came out with that one, I was starting to tire of them a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But that Vanilla Fudge song, wow, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, it, like it's, Shaft it's, or something like it's that. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable tune. I like how they slowed it down. And you can listen to the lyrics. Right. And they did that uh, with a couple of Beatles songs. I think Ticket to Ride was on there and also El Eleanor Rigby. And you can imagine what Eleanor Rigby must yeah. have sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> I love the opening. We're going to probably do that sometime. Maybe in your uh, Frankie Answers Three Questions category. Best opening riffs. Of yeah, there, there are a bunch of them. But that's certainly one of the great introductions of all time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Hall of Fame albums, Frankie, that's in other words for our listeners who are just joining us and are new to the, the program or the segment, those are albums recorded by an artist who is not in a Hall of Fame, but the album should be. Right. And for me, it's Bob Welsh, not only a great album, but also a great album cover. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, the former member of Fleetwood Mac originally intended this, all these songs, or most of them anyway, to be a part of a group called Parlor. He, that was been a, his next band, but he, they disbanded in 1977. So he okay. said, well, I might as well just make it a solo album and get some of my former mates in Fleetwood Mac to help me out. Yeah. Like Mick Fleetwood, who played drums on Sentimental Lady, and Christine McVie. I still can't believe she passed away. No, I can't you know? either. Um, Lindsey Buckingham, and even Juice Newton 
played a uh, little little uh, backing vocals. Remember all those tunes she sure. had in the early 80s? Yeah, uh, she sang backing vocals on Ebony Eyes, which begins side two. album sentimental lady is one of my favorites it reminds me right uh, just right around christmas time early december 1977 just before the soundtrack to saturday night fever came out it was That's kind right, of bubbling yeah. and you mm-hmm. could see it was coming but this was a nice little diversion along with uh, stranger by billy joel and a couple other albums in, in that area in that year so it has easy to fall hot love cold world That's nice we've probably song. featured some of these tunes before and just download discovery and deep tracks Mystery Train, Outskirts, Ebony Eyes, Caroline, Dance of Shiva, Dance and Eyes, Lose Your Heart. Good tunes, all of them. Bob Welsh. Absolutely. And uh, uh, we used him as a uh, good start. Yeah, and, great start and dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and um, it was then that I found out that at this time he was actually sleeping with Stevie Nicks. <laughs> so another part of another Mac. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it seemed like she had a lot of boyfriends at the time. She sure did. She uh, she checked off a lot of uh, rock and roll boxes. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and good looking, too. Absolutely. So that was Mine French Kiss by Bob Welsh. Who do you have for us in Hall of Fame albums? Well, I've got the Ambrosia debut album. Uh, now, from the first notes uh, of the lead-off tune, nice, nice, very nice, it's obvious that this album is completely different. This song puts the music to the lyrics in Kurt Vonnegut's poem, Cat's Cradle. From there, we alternate great rockers like Time Waits for No One and World Leave Me Alone with ballads like the beautiful Holy Nanda Yesterday. The second side continues the fun and even channels the Lewis Carroll poem, Jabberwocky. In trying to describe their song, I've often sound, I've often called it a kind of a cross between Yes and Boston but definitely not a copy, as this album was released a year before the famous Boston Boston debut. The dual lead and backup vocals by David Pack and Joe Puerta is absolutely sublime, and the sound seems to jump off the record. Hardly surprising that the album was nominated for Grammy Award for Best Engineered Recording. Oh, and the engineer that was none other than, of course... (laughs) 
Alan Parsons, Parsons, <laughs> a name that we seem to mention almost weekly on the podcast. <laughs> Holding on to yesterday actually hit the top 40, peaking at number 17, and pushing the album to number 22. Sadly, neither this album nor the challenging follow-up, Somewhere I Never Traveled, sold many copies, and the band was forced into a more commercial sound to sell records. Thank goodness we'll always have this incredible debut Ambrosia album, a worthy addition to our Hall of Fame album. Absolutely, and uh, holding on to yesterday, that moody, spiritual sound... side and stuff like that they had some good music on that whole album didn't oh they? yeah it was uh, a wonderful album and one of those that you look at and you go how come they never did this again but yeah. sometimes you know that's all they had in them you know and it was fantastic and then the 180 album in 1980 just like sticks and cornerstone and reo speedwagon a lot of other groups foreigner decided to go to the ballad area the 180 kind of the power ballad thing yeah totally different move with you're the only woman and biggest part of me it's good album in its own right yeah but i really like this one oh absolutely So Frankie answers three questions. We got three good ones for you. This one is best male vocalist in a group. Last week we said solo artist, didn't we? Right. This time around, the best artist, a male artist in a group. So you really you're looking at the you know the the head honcho, the the, the leader of the pack, um, the guy who brings it all together, and you know I, the best voice out there as far as I'm concerned, uh, as far as rock goes. You can't get really any better than Roger Daltrey in his prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, he no longer sounds like that, I'm sorry to say. Well, not almost 80 years old. But, and he didn't sound like that at 60 either, because um, <laughs> we did hear him a few yeah, times. Sure. Radio, radio, radio. 
during the albums like Tommy and Who's Next and Quadrophenia, his voice is just, if you want proof, listen to Behind Blue Eyes. Just listen to it and listen to the vocals and you'll see what I mean. The only guy that, uh, and I'll mention him because he comes in a real close second, he's a wonderful singer in his own right, is of course Paul Rogers, uh, who started with Free, went on to Bad Company, then did some work with The Firm, and I think he actually went on road with Queen at one point in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I happened to catch him five years ago on one of those uh, specials that was just before COVID, and it was kind of a special thing that was on cable, and they they had him playing the old Bad Company stuff. Let me tell you, he sounds as he sounded good that day as he sounded back in the 70s. Wow, that's terrific! That's hard voice. to do. It's hard to do, um, but he has one of those great voices. I mean, it's just, and he's still got it. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two: Best concert venue that you've been to? Yeah, and jeez, uh, I've been to so many, um, but I'll leave it here in Cleveland, and I'll say I I just love the Nautica stage at uh, the, you know, whatever it's called, the Jacobs stage at Nautica, or whatever mm-hmm. they call it nowadays. Uh, that little four or five thousand seat p- pavilion, it's open air. It's a beautiful place. You got the ships coming down the Cuyahoga River on a summer night. There is no place. Uh, I'd rather be than there. And I really, you know, I kind of consider it a, a blossom without the headaches. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and when I get out of that parking lot, I'm home in 15 yeah. <laughs> minutes. You know? It's great. Easier to find your car, too, Absolutely. Isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And you're in the flats, and once in a while, like the Good Time 3, the little tour boat will come by and yeah. honk their horn at <laughs> exactly, us. And, exactly. Yeah, the skyline of Cleveland. We saw a great show there last summer, didn't we? We did. And, uh, you know, I, I've been there when they're big, the big ore boats have come down and they blow the huge whistle <laughs> just, you know, just to have fun. And uh, it just a, it's an awesome atmosphere. The only thing negative I can say about it is they just don't have enough good acts to come there. Yeah. I, I would love to see more shows there. I saw we saw Toad the Wet Sprocket followed yes. by Gin Blossoms and then Bare Naked Ladies. Yep, absolutely. And, and they all mentioned Toad. I remember specifically said how they loved that venue to oh, play yeah. at. I would think so. A beautiful summer night like it was. It was early exactly. July, Fourth of July weekend. It was exactly. a lot of fun. Number three. Ever see anybody famous at any show? Um, just one time, and and I almost forgot it until you you mentioned this. Um, it was Canada night. This was at Blossom, um, maybe 15, 20 years ago. And it was um, Alanis Morissette opening for the Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of Canadian night. Mm-hmm. Well, there was one other Canadian there who was Alanis's boyfriend at the time, a guy by the name of Ryan Reynolds, uh-huh. who we were sitting very close to the, um, the, the sound setup, you know, where they do the, the sound. And he kept going back and forth from the stage back to the south. I don't know what he was doing, whether he was reporting in or whether he was just bored or whatever. <laughs> but we must have saw, seen him a half dozen times. Now, the question I would ask you is, uh, you're the one who has got to have seen some pretty big people at concerts. Oh, yeah. Anybody that you could name drop for us? Well, one time at <laughs> Playhouse Square, I was seeing Yanni. Oh, and yeah. we were in like the third row, mm-hmm. and you know how great a venue that is. So my wife and I are sitting there, and Yanni's a good-looking guy, you know, Greek. He's got oh, the yeah, mustache, the, long the long hair, flowing hair, the white yeah. uh, jacket and slacks, and he's looking right at my wife. <laughs> what is going on here? 
I keep looking. What is going on? He's looking right at her. <laughs> I was about ready to stop the show and go confront him, but uh, I decided, you know, better of it. And at uh, intermission, come back, and sure enough, right behind us was Linda Evans, his girlfriend at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Linda Evans. <laughs> right That's behind Cindy. Neat. Yeah, the big valley. Oh, wow. <laughs> and on my radio days, I got to introduce uh, a few acts sure, on stage at the yeah. front row. Um, Connie Francis and Johnny Mathis and... Uh, that's that's like huge. That, just, so that was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's really neat. That must have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then once in a while you see some actors on the airplane or somebody that they're trying to be incognito with the sunglasses and the hat and stuff like sure, that. But sure. once in a while you can see like John Lovitz on an airplane, you know, going to Hawaii. <laughs> Say, that's John Lovitz. Yeah, exactly. Well, what are you supposed to do? Hey, John, right? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, hopefully you're not sitting next to him for five hours. Right. (laughs) Rock releases the week of June 5th, this one in 1975, Horizon by The Carpenters. That was one of their last big releases. That's great, yes. The Cars, 1978, good one. Of course, we've talked about that one. Chicago 16, 1982, that was probably the last one I liked. What do you think of The Kids Are All Right, The Who? That was 1979. Okay. Well, that was actually uh, a movie soundtrack mm-hmm. is what that was. So I did actually went to see the movie at the time, and I bought the soundtrack. So, you know, I was a huge Who fan. So it, as far as I was concerned, anything was good then. <laughs> <laughs> Wings came out with Back to the Egg in 1979. That's I also cool. bought that cool. one. So, yeah. A couple of really good tunes on there. Arrow Through Me. Uh, the Stones, Some Girls, 1976. Oh, that's a t- tremendous record. I really enjoyed that one. And a year earlier, Eagles, One of These Nights. Yeah, that's a good one, that was too. A breakout album mm-hmm. for them. AWB, Cut the Cake, 1975. Yep. And the same day, all three of these were released on the same day. Frankie, One of These Nights, Cut the Cake, and Main Course by the Bee Gees. Wow. How about that? Yeah, they sold some records there. Then, uh, just a a little while from there, 1975, was Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. That's right. They had Over My Head and Rhiannon and, uh, you know, those two. The first shot fired by the new band. The new band. Stevie Nicks, Wild Heart, 1983. 
the Knack, 1979. I remember it. Yep. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. That was all this week over the years. Featured artists were taking another look at Bob Seeger this time around That's and right. the Silver Bullet Band called Bob Seeger Part 2. You know, the Detroit rocker was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004 and the Songwriters Hall of Fame eight years later. Oh, okay. But back in the early 70s, late 60s, when he was just getting started, he had no idea that that would be how he would end up his illustrious career. Yeah, he was kind of the uh, Michael Stanley of Detroit. Yeah, the hardworking guy. Yeah. Didn't you exactly. say that uh, he was really playing for his, his supper, his very future back sure in the was, mid-70s? Yes. So there was some good stuff coming out then. Ramblin' Gamblin' Man, still known then as the Bob Seeger system. I right. kind of remember that. Uh, Live Bullet, 76, recorded in Detroit at Cobo Hall. That's where most of us, you know, kind of got our feet wet with them. We heard that on the radio. They they played it a lot and had like Nutbush City Limits and a lot of yeah, good stuff, good on, stuff there. on there. And uh, that 
that set the table for what would come next. <laughs> sure, sure. He was a big fan of Elvis, you know. Little Richard and the Dell Vikings. Remember the song Come Go With Me, like 1959? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, spent some time in the group T. Garden and Van Winkle in the early 70s. Remember them? No, I don't. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. That one's the rock expert is coming up lame on that one. <laughs> rock expert is stumped. They, he put together the Silver Bullet Band in 1974 featuring Drew Abbott and Charlie Allen Martin, Chris Campbell, and Alto Reed, who just passed away a couple years ago. Yeah, who was actually at the time was, uh, I think, Chris Cardner or something like that because mm-hmm. he changed his name to Alto yeah. Reed after... Night Moves, I think it was Night mm-hmm. Moves album. Once they hit it big, he, yeah. he decided he needed an, a, a special name. And, of course, Alto Reed, both saxophone and the know, Reed, terms, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Right, sure. Uh, so he also put together a lot of music featuring the Muscle Shoals rhythm section. That's right, he sure did. Good yes. stuff, huh? They yeah. came out with a lot of good backing stuff, kind of like mm-hmm. the... Uh, well, the Muscle Shoals answer to the Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew, yeah. Good ba- backing stuff there. Uh, songs and others appeared on his next album, Live Bullet, released in 76. It was recorded, you know, in 1975. So then Night Moves solidified his career with Main Street. Oh. And, and, of course, the title cut, Rock and Roll Never Forgets, produced once again by Seeger, a co-produced, along with the Muscle Shoals rhythm section. Yeah, and that that's... Album was played nonstop everywhere. It was on top forty radios and AOR. It was everywhere you could, everywhere you could find a record being played. You heard Bob Seger. Yeah, and if, and was, yeah. He was a, you know, overnight sensation. Ten year in the making. <laughs> <laughs> She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on a night moves Trying to make some front page driving news Working on a night moves In the summertime Some high in the sky, some We were just young and restless and bored Just running down his albums, you'll know all of these albums are listeners. Stranger in Town came out in 78, uh, the 10th studio album already. Sure. Still the same Hollywood Nights. Good stuff right there. We've got Tonight, which was also a big hit for Sheena East and probably bigger for her. But uh, that was a good tune. Yeah, absolutely. Against the Wind a couple years later. Number two in the nation, just behind the wall. Yeah, and that was one one of our favorite album uh, album covers. Uh, with if you've ever seen it with the horses on it, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful album good cover stuff. and uh, great great record. Lots of good music on there. Um, 
well worth your time. Yeah, Fire <laughs> Lake, originally planned for the album Beautiful Loser, but wasn't finished yet at the time. Backing vocals by Eagles' Timothy B. Uh, B. Schmidt, Don Henley, and his pal Glenn Fry. That's right, yeah. So man. he said, uh, Bob did, that he remembers watching a, a cover band in Detroit at a smoky club sometime with his pal Glenn Fry before they both hit it big. And Glenn said, how am I supposed to make it big? All we're playing now are cover bands, cover songs in our band. Right. He, he wasn't in the Eagles yet. And Bob said, you got to just write. Write all the time. It's not going to be any good when you first put stuff out. But if you keep writing, it'll eventually get better. Boy, was he right. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Can you imagine just sitting around and it turns out it's going to be Bob Seger and Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry. Not just, in the same band. Just think of how many... Yeah, if you put their hits together, my yeah. good God. It'd be like the Beatles, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a, a two guys that I'm glad didn't get together to form a band. They would have, I don't know, they wouldn't have clashed, but they would have robbed us of a lot of different kind of music. I think they would have, yeah, because they really, you know, the Eagles and Bob Seger, that's two different styles of music. Sure it is. Very different yeah. styles. Yeah. Both great songwriters, though, in their oh, own Oh, absolutely. Remember, You'll Accompany Me and yes. Betty Lou's Getting Out yeah. Tonight. That was the mm-hmm. B side. That was good stuff. Horizontal Bop, Her Strut, you know, Nine Tonight came out in 81. That was another live album recorded at the Boston Gardens and right. Cobble Hall once again. And then The Distance, which I liked, it peaked to number five. And he wasn't slowing down, even no. now, and Shame on the Moon, Roll Me Away, good stuff. <laughs> Westbound Road, right away I made my choice Headed out to my big two-wheeler I was tired of my own voice Took a beat on the northern plains And just rolled that power on Twelve hours out of Mackinac City Stopped in a bar to have a brew Met a girl and we had a few drinks And I told her what I decided to do She looked out the window a long, long moment Then she looked into my eyes 
didn't have to say a thing. concert too back then and oh yeah you know he's kind of backed off on the concert tours these days he's getting a little older yeah uh last time i saw him come around was just before covid and uh, i think that was you know a farewell tour but you never know these days there may be another there may be another farewell tour (laughs) in his future yeah really the muscle shoals rhythm section uh, later nicknamed the swampers they work with artists like Paul Simon and Bob Dylan and Leon Russell, Leonard Skinner, Aretha Franklin, Rolling Stones. Yeah, for Rolling Stones, sure. Brown Sugar and Wild Horses, mm-hmm. so there's some good stuff there. Uh, members included Pete Carr of Carr and LeBunkin Carr, who was the, uh, the the backup, not the backup, but the opening act for Leonard Skinner during that, that ill-fated 1977 tour. Oh, they yes. um, decided not to, I think they took a bus to different venues instead of flying or they, maybe they couldn't make the next show or something. So they were slated to be on that plane. Mm. Uh, Roger Hawkins, uh, When a Man Loves a Woman, Aretha's Respect, and Chain of Fools, just some really good, oh, really good yeah, backing band. Excellent uh, place to record, uh, legendary place to legendary, record. Legendary, yeah. yeah. Seeger, good stuff. I never saw him in concert, but if he came around again, I'd like to see him. I don't know if he's got the same kind of voice or uh, energy. If he yeah, could one, guys one of the things that surprised me when I did see him in concert is how good his voice is. It's tremendous, and none of the recordings do it justice. When he uh, gets up and uh, wails on something like Main Street, mm-hmm. it's just it's just gorgeous. He really he really is a, a wonderful singer. And it doesn't always come through on the records, but boy, if you ever get a chance, who knows? Maybe there's another uh, <laughs> tour in his future. Uh, yeah, definitely. That'd be cool, and certainly worthy of his 2004 induction into oh, the Rock and Roll yeah, Hall of Fame. Absolutely, yeah. Bob Seeger.
Next time around, we're going to be taking a look at ACDC, the mm. band from down, the Thunder from Down Under. The Thunder from Down Under, yeah. Taking a while for us to get to uh, to know the Youngs, and we'll talk all about them in our next episode. Sure. Frank, thanks for joining me in your input. Love it. Thanks for having me. This is Tim Friedman, 70s Rock Conversations. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode featuring ACDC and a lot of great new features as well. We'll see you next week. Thank you.